We've been doing this series here at Hamilton Elam called His Story, My Story. His Story, My Story. It's a play on words. Play on words, right? History. His Story, My Story. This series is about ordinary people with extraordinary stories. And if in the last couple of weeks, we've had testimony after testimony after testimony, powerful stories. Courage, you can go back, you can go to our YouTube channel, you can look back uh, on our podcast and just listen back to some of these powerful stories. And, and, and um, don't want you to miss out. We've had some, in fact, later on this morning, very soon, we're going to have a story from Beth who comes along to the story. Stories of real people in their real journey. Because we all have a story, right? But more importantly, God is inviting you to be part of his story. Because it's about because his story is my story. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says this, but they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Right? That's how, how we overcome, right? By the by the by the the works of what Jesus did for us on the cross, and by sharing our testimonies. That's how we overcome. And I'm, I'm looking forward to Beth's me- message, her story very soon. But have you ever been asked this question? Why do bad things happen to good people? You ever been asked that question? Maybe you've asked this question. You know, why do bad things happen to good people? Oh, I go to church, I do... I've been serving you, Lord. I love people, serve people. And yet all these bad things are happening to me. We ask this question all the time. And I got asked this question, and my answer was simply this. I don't know. In fact, the Bible doesn't shed much light on it either. But what I do know is that I choose how I react to what's happening around me. I choose. And the reason why I choose is because, that I, because I know that God loves me. That's why. Because he loves me. He was there during my greatest moments in life. He was with me as I celebrated the birth of my children. He was there with me for all the happiest moments of my life. And he was also there with me, holding me tight during the hardest moments, the crisis Moments of my life when my life became a train wreck, that he was there holding me tight. This I know that God loves me and he loves you. In fact, the disciples they asked Jesus this, this question in a roundabout kind of way. And if you've got your Bibles, and we're going to have it on the screen behind me, John chapter 9, verse 1, it's a fascinating story. And let's read verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Right? From the moment he was born, he was born blind. Verse 2. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents? Verse 3. It was not because of his sins or his parents. Jesus answered, this happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Wow. I love that. So Jesus' disciples come up to him and say, Hey, who sinned? This guy or his parents? Who sinned? And I love how Jesus responds. I love his response. He says, Neither. Neither. 
And neither can we assume that if someone is sick or going through a hard time, that God is angry with them. Neither can we assume that if, you're, if someone is going through a hard time, someone's going through something, that neither can we assume that God is angry with them. I've met people who, who go to pray for someone who's sick and they say, oh, you, there must be some hidden sin here. Right? But this is the point that Jesus is trying to make. We can't assume that. We can't assume that. Just imagine what this blind man had, had known what other people were thinking about him. All his life, thinking that people were judging him that, oh, he's blind because of his sins. Oh, he's blind. Or maybe his parents. Can you imagine his parents? What the parents were thinking, oh, what have we done? What have we done that now our child is blind? We're being punished by God. Imagine living your life believing that you are being punished by God. And this is the point that Jesus is trying to make. That God is not angry with you. That God is not punishing me. God is not waiting for us to make a mistake so that he can punish us. That is not true. That's a lie that comes from the pit of hell. He's not waiting for you. Oh, wait. He's he's speeding again. Oh, speeding camera. There you go. God gave me a ticket. No, no. It was the the Ministry of Transport gave you a ticket because you were speeding. (laughs) He's not waiting for you to make a mistake so he can pounce on you. And tell you how bad you are. Look at your life. So whatever you believe about yourself, and whatever you think about God, and whatever wreckage was in your past, God is not angry with you. And this is the point that Jesus is trying to teach his disciples and make. That when bad things happen to you, it's not God. But I love God. The Bible does teach, show us that God will take what the enemy meant for bad and he will turn it around. He will turn it around. And Jesus proves it by restoring sight to this blind man. I love it. I love it. And then what we read later on in the story, the religious leaders, they're upset. Do you know why they're upset? It's because Jesus does this healing on a Sabbath. And the Sabbath day is a rest day. Oh my goodness. He just healed that blind man on a rest day. He was working. They missed, they missed the point. Let's pick up the story again in verse 16. Some of the Pharisees, they said, This man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Oh, my goodness. There must be a sin in your life somewhere. Where's that sin? Others said, But how could... An ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs. So there was deep division of opinion among them. You know, if you told someone that you're a Christian, if you told someone that, that you're a follower of Jesus, all of a sudden they begin to look at you in a different way. They begin to look at you as if there's something wrong with you. You're like, what? You go to church? Oh, haven't you, haven't you read the papers? Oh my goodness. You know, and they'll, they'll, try to, they'll try to poke holes into the reason why you shouldn't go to church. But let me tell you something. You know what they can't poke holes in? It's your testimony. 
Because these, these, these religious leaders, they try to poke holes in this, this blind man's testimony. Try to put, oh, look, oh, it's a Sunday. He's a sinner. God, oh, sorry, it's a Sabbath, not a Sunday. It's a Sabbath. He's, he's working on a Sabbath. Oh, my gosh, this, this is not of God. Trying to poke holes in his testimony. But I love how this man who once was blind and now can see, I love how he responds. Verse 24. So for the second time, they called on the man who had been blind and, and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, this man Jesus, is a sinner. What they're saying is God should get the glory for this. not just Jesus. God should get the glory. And you know what? That's 100% true. And that is Jesus. And this is the man's response. Verse 25. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. I was blind, and now I can see. You can say whatever you want about the church. You can say whatever you want about Jesus. You can say whatever you want about the Bible, but this I know, that no matter what has been happening in your life, drug addictions, violence, anger, relationship breakdown, alcoholism, whatever's happened in your life, that before I met Jesus, my life was a wreck, but now I'm free. Because this I know, I was blind, but now I see. You can poke holes in whatever else I'm doing, but you can't poke holes in that. That this man that I encountered Change my life. And his name is Jesus. The name above all names. That's why Revelation 12 verse 11 says, But they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Jesus came to this blind man and, and in his actions declares, Son, God is not mad at you. And there's someone in this room, you need to hear this. God is not mad at you. So whatever you think about yourself, whatever you've done, that is not the issue right now. The issue right now is that Jesus brings salvation. And he's standing here telling you, you are forgiven. Now you have to decide. You have to make a decision. Do I receive the one who, who has brought sight to the blind, who sets people free? You have to decide. The choice is yours. Because God is not mad at you. He is madly in love with you. He loves you. He's madly in love with you. Regardless of what you were doing last night, regardless of what you are doing this morning, He is madly in love with you. He's not angry at you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. This series is about ordinary people with extraordinary stories. I'd love to share with you Beth's story. And I always remember learning how I was adopted. I don't think it was the best, the best way I learned. I didn't even know what the word meant. I was at school, prim at, in, um, primary school one day. And I don't know how, how it even came out. I think it must have been around this, this girl um, said to me, oh, you're just adopted anyway. And I went, 
I'm not. And the teacher told this, this girl to, to be quiet. And anyway, I remember walking home and thinking about, what the heck is this, this adoption word? And I got home and one was at the kitchen getting, preparing dinner. And I said to him, um, am I adopted? And she said, yes. And she said, well, I should have, we should have told you earlier. And I still didn't really know what it, what it meant. She said to me that it doesn't matter that you're not born to us. You're still, we still love you like you were, like you were our daughter and that. But and anyway, that, that must have stuck in my, in, in my life, that whatever it was, that thorn. And then discovered one, one Sunday morning that mum and dad had split up. Um, that, that rocked rocked our world a bit. And anyway, that went through its how it does its arguments and, and bits and pieces between mum and dad. Mum, my brother and I, we, we moved to Hawke's Bay in about 1972. Mum, I think she just stayed home where she got into alcohol and prescription drugs very gradually and suddenly I got into into drinking alcohol way too much more than than I should have which just kind of added to added to the problems that were already there in my life um, I just drank and drank and and like at 28 I I had a I had a uh, a son um I adopted him out because I thought that was the best thing that I could have done for him. And I still believe that. Um, and, and I got into the gay scene, um, which which was, was a bit of a disaster as well. But I thought it was in that particular time in my life. I thought it was that was that was it. That was what I wanted. That was what I needed. But it, all it served to do was just serve my alcohol, drugs. I, not that I ever got into drugs. It was it was mainly it was alcohol. Like towards the end of my drinking drinking life, I was drinking like a cask of wine every every couple of days. I was like a mean drunk. wasn't wasn't very nice. I would get to so much limit, and then then it would be all on. And anyway, I I lived in this flat in, in Sibiu Terrace in, in in Napier up on the hill, and. I, it was a big house. We had I had lots of flatmates, and 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 in the end, I just didn't have money for rent. I didn't have, so they all left. I had I had no fridge, no washing machine, and I firmly believe there was this was another another God another God moment. I had one phone call left, and I rang this woman called Deb. I'd met one night at, 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 a, at one of the gay clubs and she came and got me thankfully my big pile of washing that I had and my cat and my dog and we went to Hastings um, I met another couple of ladies there who one who had um, a contract with uh, the council to take out graffiti on on council buildings like toilet blocks and things like that in the parks and things, fences and I found out that they were God people as well um, they used to kind of talk about God in the back of the paint van and it was something I wasn't really into back then 
But the more I kind of listened to these people talking and, and stuff like that, and also Deb had a couple of kids, Carly, um, the girl, Michael, the boy, but Carly, she used to sing these God songs, and, like, we'd, we'd have discussions at home about, about their God, and I couldn't understand how they could how they could love something that they couldn't feel or couldn't see. Um, put so much into into something like that. And anyway, we we it didn't still didn't stop me singing God songs with, with Carly. And I think that that's also a God another God moment for me. That, but I wouldn't have recognised it then. And because I was still drinking and stuff like that then, and. And, and in the end, Deb got fed up with my drinking, and I'm so pleased that she didn't kick me to the curb like she probably should have or could have back in those days. She stuck with me. She's always said that she saw something special in me. Praise God for Deb. Um, and anyway, she, she nagged me about getting prayer, and I thought, oh, that's your thing, not my thing. But in the end, I relented, and, and we actually came to Hamilton, to Jude, the lady's name was actually Jude Millsop, and we started talking and stuff like this, and, and Jude was saying that she thought there was something else that there at the root of it, and and it actually came out that I was that I was adopted. So they prayed, so they prayed for that, and I tell you, man, I was sitting on the floor, and I tell you, something happened that day. Something just flew. My eyes started to flutter. And something, something just flew out. Went. After that, we had a bit of a chat, and, and, and we had a break. And and I said, oh, can, can we can we go now? And Deb said, No, I really want you to talk. I really want you to have have prayer about this drinking. And I thought, Oh, no, I've had enough. And she said, Please, come on, let's while we're here, let's do it. So I relented again, and we did, and. I didn't really feel anything that time. It was, it was more to do with the, the adoption thing that I felt anything. And then the next day we we went back home to Hastings, and I continued to drink probably for the next three or four years. And this lady came to visit this friend of Deb's who who had split up from her husband, and she was having problems, and she bought a cask of wine. See, I was still drinking up to all this time. And, she started to get really mean, and I finally saw. And anyway, I went out to my room because I couldn't handle her the way she was going on. And I looked in the mirror and I thought, far out, that's, that's exactly me. And that was when it all happened. I went to bed that night. It was a Friday night. I went to bed that night. Just normally went to bed. Um, Deb in the morning brought me out a cup of coffee and I looked up at her and I said, I'm not going to drink anymore. And she kind of looked at me, which is understandable, with that look to say, you're right. And like 23 years ago, it was actually this month, 6th of, 6th of May, um, 23 years ago um, since I've had a drink of alcohol. So, um, and it had to be farther. It had to be because there was no side effects. There was no 
hankering out for more wine. It was just gone. And I'm a firm believer of, if, well, now, if you believe that he can do this stuff for you, you have to do your bit, but I'm, I'm a firm believer if you do, he'll do the rest. And I'm sure that's what he did for me. Yeah, I haven't I haven't touched any wine since, and, and um, there's also another thing that God has done for me. That he has taken away my smoking. I used to smoke like a chimney, and there was no side effects with that either. And it's just a real firm belief that there is no way that that couldn't it could never have been Father. It had to be Father. There was just no other explanation. Father can set, has set me free from being gay. He set me free from alcoholism. I don't smoke anymore. He set me free from that. And I love love my father with all my being. And the thing I never, ever loved before that I certainly do now, and that's got to be God also, I love people. Since then, we've moved to Hamilton. Um, Jude Millsop, she brought me along here to Elam. Best church ever. Got the best pastors, Pastor Poro and Pastor Ants. Amazing, amazing past the team. Um, I do work a few bits and pieces in church, and we do a, a thing for over 50s called Young at Heart. Um, I do um, out with the kids at Sparks, and I do a little bit on out with the um, info desk. It doesn't matter what your life was like or what your life is like. He can change it. Gradually, in an instant, or he can do it straight away. But I tell you, I never thought I needed him. But man, I tell you what, I'm pleased. I'm pleased that he, he knew I needed him. You know, he can get rid of all the stuff. He set me free. He can set you free as well. Wow. Wow, powerful story. Beth was in our first service. It was incredible. You know, when I actually made the, sh- the video, you would have seen this, this hand, the, like the hand of God come out, pat the dog. This dog. I was trying not to be in the shot, and the dog just came up to me, and I was thinking, I, I have to pat this dog, I know no choice. But, you know, it's interesting. I, I filmed, when we filmed Beth, she was the first one I filmed, and um, um, the first time she was sitting in here, I was filming her, and the camera stopped. I was using the church camera, stopped. So I said, Beth, could you do that again? Because I didn't know when the camera stopped. She does it the second time. And then I said, great, great work, Beth. And then I grabbed her battery pack off her, and it was flat. So I was thinking, when did it go flat? So I said, Beth, can you do it a third time? So this time I used my phone, and, and um, I was trying to figure out, this is me. I, I, I'm not the sound tech guy I was trying to be, and this is why we have good, thank you, sound tech guys. Really appreciate you guys at the back there. Give them a hand. You such a great job. But you know what? It's a story that the enemy was trying to stop. Right? Because how do we overcome the enemy? By the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. That's how we overcome. That's how we overcome. Because I know this. I was blind, but now I see. And for some of you in this room, this is not just a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. That God set me free 
Because I was spiritually blind until I encountered Jesus. And now I see. I see. See, I don't know your story. But Jesus knows your story. And his first words to you is this. Your past does not define you. And Jesus will go on to say that it doesn't define the way I think about you and what I think about you. So whatever you believe about yourself, whatever you think about God, whatever wreckage is in your life and in your past, God is not mad at you. He's here to offer you forgiveness and a new way forward. Come on. So whatever guilt and whatever shame or regret that you are carrying, you don't need to carry that anymore. You need to bring that to Jesus. God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He is. Because this I know. I was blind, but now I see. Come on, let us pray.